Welcome to episode 29 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot. And as always, I'm joined by Theo. So how, how are you doing, Theo? Good, thank you. Looking forward to the Prem being back on, on Saturday. So I'm good. And how are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Bit of, bit of time off this afternoon, so it makes a change. But um, yeah, definitely, you know, looking forward to the game, like you said. So um, just before we crack on with the episodes, obviously... Our socials, if you're watching live or if you're watching on YouTube, you can see them at the bottom of the screen. But for those who aren't, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, our Twitter is at From the Shed End. Our Instagram is at From the Shed End, underscores in between each of the words. And also you can search for us on YouTube. That's where we need a lot of our help at the moment. We're sort of lacking on subscribers. So all the subscribers that we do have, obviously we appreciate. But um, anyone who hasn't subscribed and listened to our podcast, subscribe like our content and get interact with us as well you know we like to hear your thoughts as well about the podcast but um yeah let's let's go straight to um the, the internationals we'll start with the internationals um some good chelsea scorers this weekend and at the midweek as well Werner obviously being um you know the one who's found his scoring boots which is good but also kai havertz ben chilwell as well, all scored on the international break. So um, did you get to catch any of the um, the matches? I did watch the England-Andorra game. I missed the England-Hungary yesterday and the Germany games, but I did watch the Chilwell's goal in the, in the England-Andorra one, which, which was good, to be fair. You know, he was in the penalty box at the right time, at the right moment. And it kind of felt like he's um, almost, you know, knocking on Tuchel's door now, kind of thinking I should be starting. You know, if Alonso can score, so can I. That's two goals now in his last two games, I think it was against Southampton and Andorra and his first international goal for um for England. So I think he's slowly refining his I don't want to say refining his form because he's he never really lost his form. I want to say it was more just a question of getting the game time. But he's slowly getting that game time under his belt now. And I think it's gonna be a nice dilemma for Tuchel to have um post-international break between um Alonso and Chilwell, especially um that Alonso also played very well for Spain. In the, I did watch the national, the Nations League games as well. I thought Alonso was fantastic in those um, those games for Spain. So a nice dilemma on Saturday for two courts to have between Alonso and Chilwell. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think we've mentioned it before around. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel is going to have him. It's a good headache to have, and I think I've mentioned that before. That it's brilliant that he's got two players in form, both of them, you know, playing in the same position. But just having that headache is, in a way, is a good thing. But Obviously, one player is always going to miss out. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think obviously we'll move on to Brentford shortly, but I think it's going to be interesting who he goes for. Because like you mentioned, I watched the uh, the Nations League and obviously Alonso played really well. Um, but Ben Chilwell as well. I didn't watch the game against Hungary um, and I missed Andorra. So I, I'm talking sort of from watching a few highlights. But, you know, it's, it's definitely someone who... He's knocking on doors. Um, we know what he's capable of. We obviously watched how he played in the Champions League final as well. So it is a shame for Ben Chilwell, but I think like I've said before, it's just unfortunate that Alonso's come uh, you know, into great form and he's he's obviously keeping Ben Chilwell at the team. And I think you know, for Chilwell, he's doing the right thing. Obviously, he's training well to be selected. And when he gets his chances, he's actually playing really well and at times scoring you know we got to see that against Southampton like you mentioned and for international so um, very happy for Timo Werner I think you know again a lot of pressure whenever he plays you know people are waiting for the mistakes they're waiting for the you know the sitters to be missed but he took both of his goals really well and, and I missed the Kai Havertz one but in terms of Werner he's he seems to always score and have a better game internationally 
as opposed to Chelsea. But can you see that form slowly coming into his Chelsea uh, games as well? Yeah, I mean, all we have to do is look at that game against Southampton and he was the man of the match. He was fantastic in that game, creating chances. I'm lucky not to score a second. He was absolutely fantastic on the day. And that's kind of, you know, we saw that again against, I think it was North Macedonia that they played. And um, I do remember, I think he missed a very easy chance in the reverse fixture against North Macedonia. So it almost goes to show that, you know, things are going his way now and he is finding that form. He is scoring these brilliant goals. You know, I, I saw the highlights and those are two goals that, you know, you wouldn't really thought Timo Werner had that in his locker. You know, that's Bundesliga Timo Werner back again. So if he's able to bring that back to the Prem, um, then that'll be fantastic. And I actually really hope, um, I think we'll touch upon it with the Brentford um, preview. But, you know, with, with, with Werner's form, I don't, I think he should be kept in the team for Saturday. I really think, you know, given how he played against Southampton, given how he played with the international and the German national team, then I think he's he's got every reason to, uh, you know, be knocking on Tuchel's door once again and be like, I should be starting on Saturday against Brentford. So he was fantastic, really pleased for him. And I'm, I think I, men- I mentioned it um, offline, but it's just great for his confidence as well. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. Let's let's move straight over to Brentford because I think that's a, it's going to be a key game. Um, I, I looked online today, which I hate doing, but I did. And it's sort of mixed emotions around, um, obviously we know who the referee is, but a lot of Chelsea fans are saying, you know, we shouldn't be, be, you know, worried about who's refereeing the game. We've got to go out there and play the game, which I agree with. I think it doesn't matter who's officiating the game because we've still got to put on a good display and play well. But come on, Anthony Taylor is one of those referees who, even if we were oh. 7-0 up and it was, you know, 80 minutes, I'm sure he'd find a way for us to lose 8-7. He's, he's that sort of ref, you know. So, you know, going into the game, obviously Kante's been rested. Hopefully he should be back. I think he's he's tested negative for COVID. We've also got uh, Lukaku, who didn't play on Sunday, who came back early to Cobham. He started training back with the team. Obviously, Loftus-Cheek wasn't involved. He was at Cobham. So was Barkley as well. Pulisic is in contention. I think he's back in light training or some form of training. So do you see it now that this is, a? I mean, it's obviously a must-win game for us. You know, we can't really go off the back of an international break, which we tend to do. We tend to play really bad after an international break. And this game for me is going to be difficult because obviously Brentford aren't on an easy game. So um, what's your thoughts on, on Brentford? I, I'm a huge fan of Brentford. I really, really do like Brentford. I've got a lot of respect for the football club. Um, I think I might have shared this on a previous podcast, but they nearly became my um, my employers um, before COVID. I was invited to a couple of rounds of interviews in, uh, in their, their new office, which overlooks their new stadium. And I was sat in an office with two, you know, people interviewing me and they kind of told me the long-term vision for Brentford Football Club. And that was, you know, then you own, I think he's called um, something Varney um, and he, the CEO, the, the owner of the club. And he said, yeah, our new owner, he has got this vision of wanting to be in the Premier League in one or two years time. And I really wanted this job at the time. So I just stood there and sat there and smiled and said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time they, at the time they were competing with the likes of, I don't know, a very informed, I think Swansea leads, you know, to go up to the Prem. Yeah, and yeah. I and then I kind of just sat there and smiled. And then a year later, they they beat um, they lost I think the playoff final to Fulham, and then the year after they qualified and they beat was it uh, Swansea I think in the final. I'm not sure yeah, who it was Swansea. Yeah. Swansea, and they're in the Prem now. And you know, really, really interesting football club. Really, I've got a lot of respect for them. They're, they're kind of their money ball approach to the game is quite remarkable. They sell the likes of Ben Rama, Mopai, you know, these these players that they bought for nothing and they sell for for big amounts. And then we know how hard it is going away from home to Brentford. We saw that, you know, Liverpool saw that this season. Arsenal saw that on the opening day. 
it's a really tough fixture. And I think their crowd, especially because it's their first season ever in the Premier League, they're so, you know, behind the team. Tom Frank's a brilliant manager, really brilliant manager. His recruitment is brilliant, you know, bringing a lot of Scandinavian players that he wants at the club. Mm. And I'm a big fan of Tony and Mbumo as well. Um, but I think on paper, we, still, we should still be winning this game. We should still be winning this game. You mentioned all the players that we have that are back in the fit. You, Reese James as well is back now, I think, um, you know, from his ankle injury or, or knee injury, I think it was. And that's a huge boost for us because we know what he's capable of doing, you know, in terms of delivery for Lukaku and players like that. But, um, but yeah, but just saying his name is like saying Voldemort's name, Anthony Taylor. <laughs> Honestly, um, I've got some stats here. Chelsea have won two of the last 11 matches played with Anthony Taylor as referee. Um, most recently, the controversial sending off of Reese James against Liverpool. And then five penalties have been given against Chelsea in those 11 matches. So it's just like he's got almost an agenda, like an agenda against Chelsea. Vendetta. Vendetta, exactly. That's the word. And yeah. every time with, you know, it's almost like the Premier League as well. But Chelsea are top of the league. It's like, what can we do to almost, you know, the Ray or Chelsea's, you know, being top of the league, give them Anthony Taylor as the referee against Brentford. Mm. And I don't know. It's just one of those games where you just know even if things are going well during a game, a bit like the Liverpool first half, something will happen, whether it's a red card, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a controversial VAR decision. And we saw him again in the international break in the Germany, yeah. um, not Germany, the Sp- Spain-France game. You know, what was he doing? You know, should he have gone to the screen to look at that, um, the Mbappe offside? He was offside. He was offside. And Kunde's yeah. handball, Pogba lunging in on a, on a, on a, already on a yellow. There were so many decisions in that game where you're thinking like, what are you doing, Anthony Taylor? What are you yeah. doing? And to think that this guy's, they see him as the best English referee to officiate these big, these big games. It's, it's ludicrous. It just, it just shows the standard of refereeing, doesn't it? I mean, you don't oh. get that across Europe. You know, you look at Spain and Italy and, um, you know, even somewhere like Norway or Denmark, they've got brilliant officials who, who official officiate the games correctly. And, you know, they don't, uh, you know, make bad mistakes or, or massive key mistakes that change the game. And I, I think you're right. I think, you know, putting Anthony Taylor in, in, in charge of a Chelsea game again already this season, eight, you know, we're eight games into a, a Premier League and we've had him twice already in a season. I, I just think it's, I'm not going to use that as an excuse if we lose, obviously, you know, we lose, we, we deserve to lose. I think fair and, if we, if we lose fair and square, I mean, if there's a, you know, a penalty that isn't a penalty or a red card that isn't a red card, then understandably the ref's got to answer that. But if we just played poorly and it, it's because of the fact we just didn't play well, I'll take that. But if it's a, you know, it's, it's it's outside the area, but it gives Brentford the penalty and Ivan Tony talks it away. Of course, I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to be pissed off a bit because, you know, it's it's, it's just poor. It's poor refereeing, you know, shouldn't have that in, in this. We've got VAR as well, which makes it even worse. You, like you know, VAR is there to stop refs being stupid and it seems they're working hand in hand. They're just blind leading the blind. Yeah, I, I, it's almost like we're already coming up with the excuses because we know what to expect. <laughs> but yeah, on paper though, regardless of who the referee is, we should be winning. It's one of those games, I think any, except maybe if you're playing a Liverpool or Man City this season in the Premier League, it's games you should be winning as a, you know, when you're looking at the Chelsea squad and the quality we have in that team and, and the manager as well and the depth as well in the squad, which we always mention. But um, it's quite a scary fixture. It is a scary fixture. I'm not going to lie. You know, the kind of the form and the the, the chemistry Brentford have with their fans at the moment and you know they're in this kind of moment where especially playing from home like I mentioned where the whole crowd is behind them I, I try to get tickets for the game I literally was on the last day I was wanting to go to it's not too far in West London 
but um it was sold out super quickly and mem- members didn't even get a you know a chance of getting a ticket so um um but yeah i'm really looking forward to it regardless i think it's gonna be a really entertaining game really high scoring i think but it's gonna be a good game, good one for sure yeah because i mean they're in good form i think they've only lost to west ham they beat um, west ham i think didn't they? they beat west ham away from home they, i think they lost i thought it was one no wasn't that the game where they scored the last minute winner away from home against West Ham? I can't remember. I'd have to check. I'd have to check, but I'm sure I'm sure they've only lost one game this season. And I'm pretty sure for some weird weird reason, I'm sure it was West Ham. And I think I think it was Ben Rama. I'm sure Ben Rama scored. They beat West Ham 2-1. Got it on my screen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was a last minute winner from uh Wisa. Ninety uh, fourth okay. minute, oh. um, but they lost to. Let me check who they lost to because I did, I do remember. Ah, uh, Brighton. It was Brighton. Brighton. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was Brighton. Apologies. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, they've only lost one game, and they're in form. I think they're seventh in the league. I think something like that. Mm. So it is going to be difficult. We, we've seen teams go there and and struggle. And I say struggle. I mean, I'm, I'm comparing Arsenal, who you know aren't the best team at the moment. But I think it is going to be difficult. The fans will be behind them. Like you mentioned as well, that they've got that sort of, you know, cohesion around the team. They're all playing for the manager as well. So it's going to be tough. And like I said earlier, you know, we don't always have the best form after an international break. The only thing that does fill me with a bit of joy is that we've had a lot of players come back early or they haven't been on international break and they've got that sort of seven day rest as well, which is good. But it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's do predictions. I'll let you go first. Just because of the referee and the kind of, as you mentioned, the cohesion Brentford have at the moment, and it's a difficult place to to go and play, um, get the three points. I'm going to say two two. It's going to be a high scoring draw. I think two two. Oh, oh, oh. uh, yeah. I can't. I'm 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 always trying to be optimistic and, and confident. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say two two one to Chelsea. Okay. I think I think we'll win. I think the fact it depends who he plays. I think if as long as Lukaku plays, if Lukaku plays in a two up front. I think we'll. I think we'll definitely win. I think if Lukaku's the sort of you know the number nine up front on his own and he's not really getting the service, I, I think it could be a bit of a tricky game for us. So I, I do think if we if it is that, I can probably see a draw, or I can see Brentford winning. Mm. But it just depends on the team. It depends on the team. I'm, I'm pretty sure I read earlier that I think Reece James might not be fit enough to start. Okay, so it might mean Aspiaqueta on right wing back, mm. which does worry me. Sometimes I think obviously the legs and the speed um, that Brentford like to play, it, it does worry me. But I'm going to go 2 1. I'm going to go 2 1 yeah. Chelsea. Um, you know, I'm confident. I've got to be confident every every game. So 2 1. Yeah, you just mentioned Reese James not being full, fully fit. But I was about to say it could be the first game where we have a fully fit squad. You know, every single player yeah. is fit. But um, it, as you said, lineup will be very interesting because Loftus Cheek's got no reason to be dropped after his performance against Southampton. Same yeah. with Werner. We've got Lukaku, which is our, you know, our number nine. Who should be starting every game. Then what do you do with players like maybe Pulisic? Pulisic as well? Yeah, Pulisic's an option. Ziyech as well, who didn't go with Morocco. He's, a, he's, I think he's had a fallen out with their with their manager. So yeah, he's, yeah. he was back at Cobham. Um, so yeah, lineup will be really, really interesting. Um, but as I always say, I'm confident Tuchel will pick the right lineup. Yeah, it's going to be key. Let's let's move on to the news that sort of broke early this week. A uh, big smile on Theo's face if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Uh, mine isn't as optimistic as Theo, but we're talking about Eden Hazard. 
on the brink of returning to Chelsea. I'm sure I read 12 million or 17 million, which when you think about it is, um, it's kind of a bargain, but it isn't. It's kind of, it kind of stinks a little bit for me, if I'm honest. It's, it's, um, I'll get your thoughts first. What, what do you think about Hazard returning to, to Chelsea if it happens? I feel like it's, it's a rumour or a move that would be purely based on nostalgia. I, I think it's Roman. Roman's the main one, Roman Abramovich, the main one trying to drive the move if the rumours are true. You know, I think he's, he's got all these amazing memories of Eden Hazard, you know, the prince of Stamford Bridge. So maybe that's what's, why he wants to, to, you know, push for the move. Does the move make sense? No, it doesn't. He's not on form. He's struggling to find full fitness. We've got an abundance of quality and players that can play in that position. Um, you know, likes of Hudson Adoy, Pulisic, Ziyech, Ferner, Havertz, um, all these amazing players. Um, there's also rumours that Real might want Reese James as part of the deal, which I think would be the worst player to offer, you know, in the deal. He's probably the player that we want to keep up for the next 10, 12 years until he retires, if anything. And um, but as a Chelsea fan, do I want to see Eden Hazard back at Stamford Bridge? Yes. <laughs> so it's, mm. you know, after that, that interview in Baku, you know, it was just like so emotional as a Chelsea fan, but you understood why he wanted to leave. You know, it was a dream for him to be at Real Madrid to play under Zidane, who was the player he grew up watching. Now that Zidane's gone, he's struggling at Madrid. I don't think the fans like him particularly. I know that he's kind of getting a lot of, he's to keep going off stick um, on Instagram in the comments. He can't really base it off, you know, social media, but he got a lot of stick on uh, social media after that picture he posted um, when he played at Stamford Bridge back in May. But, um, you know, it's just one of those players, like he posted on Instagram, when I'm done at Real Madrid, I'll come back to Chelsea when he left Chelsea. It's just a bit like Drogba. You just know there's one final farewell with him at, at Chelsea. I just still don't think the timing's right at, right now, but if it's maybe he finds a bit of form, you know, and then it's a bit like Drogba. He's on a verge of retiring. He knows that he's going to be playing a squad role, not really a, you know, a starter role. Then I'll happily take him back. But at the moment of the the, quite, the the project we have at Chelsea, I don't think it makes sense. No, but I want to see him back at Chelsea. Yes. So it's, I'm very, very 50-50 on this one. I think, I think a lot of fans are. I think mm. I sort of agree with you a little bit. I think, you know, I'd love to see him back at Chelsea, but... I think he's 30 now. I think he's 31 in January. Mm-hmm. So we know he's going to get, if he does sign, it's a, a one year with the option to extend contracts. It's, you know, very Thiago Silva contract. And that's what Roman likes to do with anyone who's over 30. And I, I just think, I suppose, I, I suppose we've got to think about the expectations of what we're expecting from Hazard. It's not going to be Eden Hazard that was tearing the Premier League apart, you know, a few years ago. It's going to be Eden Hazard that has lost a bit of pace or, you know, like you mentioned, is a squad player. And I just look at the squad players that we've got already. It, you know, is it? it's a bit unfair, for, in, in my opinion, for, for one of those players to, to lose out on game time or being loaned out somewhere because Eden Hazard comes back and plays a part in, in something when we've got, like you mentioned, a really good, you know, we've just mentioned a lot of players that we could even start against Brentford, you know, Pulisic, CH, um, you know, even like a Mason Mount, um, there's loads of players, you know, Werner, you could, you could name any of those players and you look at them and you think, well, do they, even our youth system, you know, I look at the under 23s, there's players that I would, I'd rather see come in first and play that squad role as opposed to, um, you know, Eden Hazard coming back and, and playing. I just don't think, 
I think fans are looking at the Ronaldo situation, mm. seeing he's gone back there and they see that, you know, and even that hasn't been the best of moves so far. I mean, it started okay for him, but I just think the fans will be expecting Eden Hazard that was, you know, tearing Spurs apart that helped Leicester win the league or the Cochrane sort of, you know, pushing him and done the 360 and speed. And that isn't Eden Hazard. You know, he's, he's very much a 30-year-old player. He looks like, when I've watched him, he looks, he moves different he's not he's not as fast he's um and this isn't me being critical you know, I'm not trying to criticize him to, the, to that point obviously he's a world-class player but I just think is the move right not at all mm, yeah not at all. I just I just don't think the, the move would make sense for us at the moment I think there's plays in the youth system that I'd rather see coming through first Connor Gallagher being one of them I think yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah but I do agree with you I just feel like I think we spoke about this when there was that whole European Super League you know, mm. almost on the verge of being created. It just feels like it's very, it's a, it'd be a very commercial and Americanized move, I feel. You look at kind of how Ronaldo going back to United, the amount of, you know, kits they've sold, how, you know, they probably got in, God knows how many more fans from across the world now. And then um, it's kind of a bit like the, the Michael Jordan retiring, then going back to the one Chicago Bulls. One, <laughs> one last dance, exactly. <laughs> it's got that kind yeah. of like look to it as well, you know, then Hazard. Yeah gone for three years, comes back to Chelsea, sells a bunch of kits, plays quite averagely, but still, you know, the fans still love him regardless of how he plays. So it's got that kind of like aspect to it as well, which I think maybe, you know, Roman's probably got the dollar signs in his eyes when he sees that. So that's something yeah. to, to, to think about as well. But as a Chelsea fan, just seeing Hazard back at Stamford Bridge in a Chelsea kit, would 100%. Be it would yeah, be special. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and I'd love to see that. I just don't want it to be the expensive mm. one of the plays that are coming through now or they get shipped out. Like you mentioned, you know, that is that another loan for Colin Gallagher next season because Eden Hazard's there? And yeah, I just look at it and I think if if Eden Hazard was 28, you know, 27, mm. 28, 100%. But the fact he's, he's 31 in, in four months, you know, how much football is he honestly going to play? And, mm. you know, we've mentioned his, his injury since Real Madrid. As, as, I mean, he was... He was relatively injured at times for Chelsea but I mean that's intensified since he's gone to Real Madrid so mm. I just think yes obviously Chelsea fan I want to see Eden Hazard come back maybe just as an ambassador <laughs> I don't know but you know as um, as a player I just don't want it to be at the cost of you know one of the players that are coming through or you know even like a Pulisic I look at him you know he's he's he is for me very similar to Eden Hazard the way that he plays his football it's just they're getting injuries. So if we can keep yeah. Pulisic fit, I think we've already got someone who can do what Eden Hazard can do. And he's and nearly, and a lot younger, you know, he's yeah. almost you know, 10 years younger. So yeah, I mean, let's see what happens. If it comes through, it happens, you know, 17, 12 million. It's a bargain, obviously with wages on top. And like you said, we'll recoup a lot of that in terms of, you know, sponsorships and um, kit sales as well. So yeah, one last stance, I suppose, for, for Eden um, if he comes back, but yeah, not at the expense of any of the players coming through. If he's happy to warm the bench, we've got a spot for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Let, let's, let's move on. Kind of in the same context, really. Let's, let's talk about something that you, you mentioned to me last week around um, some players that we regret selling or moving on or not not retaining, I suppose is the correct word. But um, to be honest, I wanted to do research for this and I, I just haven't, I haven't done it for purposely for a reason, but also I want to hear, hear your thoughts as well um, around some of the players that we should have, 
it's a difficult one because we say we should have retained them, but in hindsight, some of them potentially may not have worked at Chelsea. But I want to hear some of your your uh, players that you regret that we sold or we, we moved on maybe too early in their career. I think the three logical names that straight away come to mind are Salah, De Bruyne and Lukaku back, I think, in 2013, 2014, you know, that type period. Salah, I think, January 2015. Yeah, But it was actually quite interesting because I was reading an interview with Eddie Newton recently, how he said, um, you know, back when Mourinho was manager, De Bruyne and Salah, yes, they were amazing players, but they weren't ready to be in the Chelsea squad yet. Both me, I saw it, both Mourinho saw it. And, um, and you know, their body language was wrong. They weren't ready. And same with Lukaku, actually, you know, he was, he was, he didn't, he wasn't ready. He was losing the ball, apparently a loss in training and Salah and De Bruyne kind of didn't have the right attitude, apparently. And they weren't really, you know, committed and they wanted to leave themselves. They wanted to get game time. And at the time, you have to remember they were competing with the likes of Eden Hazard, William, you know, yeah. all these quality players. So those are three, definitely, I regret, you know, you look at how, what they've achieved, you know, after leaving Chelsea. They had a, I think that to get to where they are now, you still have to remember Salah went through um, Fiorentina, Roma. De Bruyne went through, I think, Werder Bremen and maybe Wolfsburg. So it wasn't really, you know, they kind of had to earn their way to those, get those moves to Liverpool and City. But now when you kind of think we could have had a front three of Lukaku, De Bruyne and Salah, it's, it's crazy. You know, I don't know if that's you, you blame Mourinho, if you blame them for not having the right attitude when they were at Chelsea. But at least we managed to get Lukaku back now, which I think for 100 million, which in today's market is very, very reasonable, I think, cheap. for a player of his quality. Yeah. Cheap, yeah. But I think the one that really, really hurt me when he left was Juan Mata. Ah, okay. He surprised yeah. me. I thought he was going to say no. someone else. But no, I've, yeah, I agree with that one. That one hurt yeah. because of where he went, though, I think. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It, also the season right before he was our player of the season, he was, you know, he had countless goals and assists that year. I think he had over 20 assists in all competitions back in the 2012, 2013 season. Mourinho comes in in the summer to replace Benitez, spends half a season under Mourinho. And then something just didn't happen, click between the two. They didn't see eye to eye, which is a typical Mourinho thing. You know, it was Casillas at Real Madrid. It was um, Pogba at United. He always has that one player that he just always almost picks on. You know, he, want, to, he wants to make an example out of them for, yeah. for whatever reason and it's at his own detriment as well yeah and it's always the player that's probably the fans favourite as well and at Chelsea it was Juan Mata and then in January he's off and just seeing that video of him in the helicopter landing in Manchester I remember being, being back in school and I was almost I almost had tears in my eyes and, oh. but yeah that one really yeah. hurt me I think because yeah as you said it was the club he went to and he was still he's still done quite a lot at Manchester he's still there now so it's like mm. To think, you know, had he stayed at Chelsea, and I still, I still think he would have probably been a better player at Chelsea than he'd ever been at United, purely based on the players he would have been playing around. You know, having chemistry or Hazard, you know, linking up with players like Diego Costa, which he never got to play with. It's you know, but then maybe a player like that leaving paved the way for someone like Fabregas, someone like um, uh, Pedro, who came later on. So it's I don't know. It's but it's one of the ones that hurt me the most. And then last one I'll mention quite more recently, I think Tamori's one still kind of hurts me purely based on how well he's doing at Mason Milan. He's back in the England squad now. We might be losing a couple of centre-backs this summer. So he's one that I think will regret it. Maybe not so much now, but come three or four years, we'll really, really regret it, I think. Yeah, I think I think we will. I think we'll regret Tamori 100%. I think, you know, defenders are hard to come by anyway. 
a good defender is hard to come by. And I think he's he's going to go up to that level of potential world-class at some point. Um, going back to the, the three you mentioned, um, de- de- well, uh, I, I look at Salah and Kevin De Bruyne and I look at them and I think, I think it is partly their journey that they went on to, as to why they are where they are. I, I don't necessarily think if they'd stayed at Chelsea, 100% they'd be the quality that they are. And I think that's only because of the fact that you know, Chelsea was at that time was a club that were happy to just loan out players and didn't didn't really give players opportunity. And that's probably because of the players that were ahead of them at the time as well. You know, like you mentioned all those players before. And, you know, I remember watching Salah for Chelsea and, you know, he was never nowhere near as good as what he is now. Same with, um, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne was, I think he had two bad injuries, didn't he? I think it was... Mm. Um, Pre-season 2013, he had a really yeah. bad one. I think it's like a weird game against the Malaysia 11s or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure it was like a crucial or something. It was a, a long-term injury. Um, so I think that just hindered his, his progression at Chelsea anyway. I don't think he was ever going to get back into the team at that point. But I agree with you. You know, I think they've obviously gone on to be world-class players. And um, a front three of them, you know, Lukaku <laughs> included, would have been you know, world beaters, you know, no one would have been able to beat us for for a couple of seasons, but um, yeah, it hurts. I think it hurts me more, especially Mo Salah. I think just because of looking at him now, he would fit straight into our team, the way that he plays now and, the, you know, the, the progression that he's made over the time at Florentina and uh, Roma as well. He's definitely come on a lot. Kevin De Bruyne has as well, but I just think, what we kind the way we play, I mean, he would slot right into into Chelsea at the moment. It's a shame that we we didn't keep him. And um I do think Mourinho has to take a lot of the blame for that as well, to some aspects. Um as you mentioned, you know, is it their their attitude? But then I think at the same time as well, you could probably say that about 70% of the you know, the players at that point, or even now, you know, some players just don't have the right attitude at times. But you know, if you you nurture that and and that's what Mourinho doesn't really do well. He doesn't nurture um, you know, talent, I suppose, as well as he could do. And I think he's never done that at any club. He, you know, he, he doesn't bring through, um, you know, young players. He's never really been a manager that wants to look at the youth setup or, you know, he just wants a team where he can go and spend money, bring in play. I mean, it's obviously changed now. I'm talking of mm. Mourinho at Chelsea and, you know, uh, his inter days and uh, even at United, he didn't bring anyone through then as such. So he's never been a manager that brings through youth. So it was never going to work for him as, as you know, bringing through a Mo Salah or a Kevin De Bruyne or anyone like that caliber. Um, one that does hurt me and technically we didn't sell him, but I think it's where he went to. And I thought this is who you was going to say is Frank Lampard when he went to <laughs> oh, Man City. Oh yeah, that's, that's, I forgot about that one, yeah. Yeah, and I think the only reason it hurt me is because I think he's, he scored against us. He scored, he, he scored. He just yeah, didn't yeah. celebrate. He didn't celebrate. And, yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah, shot That one actually. really hurt me. And I think only because of the fact that I really think we should have, I think it was 2014, mm. I think. So I think we should have kept him maybe for one season. He had one more year in him and he was he was scoring for City that year as well. So it's yeah, like he's yeah, still yeah, able he to do it in the Prem. But yeah, yeah, that hurt actually. Yeah. That really hurt. Yeah. That was the worst one, I think, for me. Um, just because I wanted him to stay. And I think there was talks at the time that he was going to stay. And I think it was just a contract talks broke down. I don't know whether it was that sort of one year contract thing or you wanted two years. I think if memory stands right, I think that's what it was. The fact he wanted two years, but was only going to offer him the one. Um, and I think City, obviously he played for Man City and then went to New York City um, after he that as actually, well. 
he went to New York and was loaned to Man City, I think. So I don't think he knew he was going yeah, to Man yeah. City when he signed for New York. So it's no, almost he like didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that one really hurt. I think that was up there as the mm. big one for me. I think Lampard, you mentioned uh, one matter. To be fair, he wasn't even in my mind, but that mm. one definitely hurt because it's United. But I don't really, I mean, I looked back, uh, I think when you mentioned it last week and I was trying to think of any big ones. And I think the three that you mentioned, including uh, one matter as well. And obviously we've got Lukaku back, but I think those were like the main ones that stood out mm. for me. Um, I, I don't really remember any sort of major ones where I think, you know I mean? Obviously, we've had loads of players that have come through the doors at Chelsea, but I just think, I think I was a bit gutted when we lost Oscar. To be fair, yeah, but uh, the money was good. That, the money was very good for the him. Money the, was time, good. Yeah. the money was good. The money was good, and to be honest, it's not like we we missed him as well to an extent, yeah. if that makes sense. But I just remember I liked him as a player, mm. and I think he was brilliant. So I, I do remember that was a big one for me. But Frank Lampard's was the worst. I, I just remember thinking, yeah, this is this is big now because he. Yeah. I mean, he's. I still necessarily don't think, and I don't think you can, I don't think you can ever replace a Frank Lampard. Yeah. just like you can't replace a John Terry. You, you, um, yeah, you know. And I think Di- when Diego Costa went as well, that was a big one for yeah, me. Yeah, that hurt us. We didn't fully replace him with Morata, I felt. And yeah, same with yeah. Lampard. You, know, you can't replace a box-to-box midfielder like Frank Lampard. We, yeah. got, we got Fabregas in that summer, but I still feel like they're very different players, the two of them. Mm. So, um, yeah. but some honourable mentions I wanted to say. Again, I think not so much what happened after they left Chelsea, but more the club they went to. Petr Cech to Arsenal, that hurt. Yes, I felt big one. Yeah, yeah. David Luiz to Arsenal as well, just based on like how how he left on I think the final day, and he, he just signed a new contract, and Arsenal fans were going yeah. crazy on Twitter. Kind of hurt, even though he didn't really do much there, and he almost yeah. still kind of played for Chelsea of the way he was getting himself sent off and making yeah, mistakes. Yeah. So. And then another one, two other ones that kind of maybe we'd have forgotten about, but I think Ian Robin, you know, given yeah, the career he had after he left Chelsea, not so much at Real Madrid, but more at Bayern Munich. If we had a player yeah. like that at Chelsea, even in his early 30s, would have been a huge asset to us. And then Joe Cole to Liverpool, swapped deal for Yossi Benayoun. I think that kind of hurt me as well. Yeah, yeah, we got just, the shit into the stick. I think though. we did. I mean, you know, Yossi, Yossi Benyum was he was all right. He was all right, but he wasn't a Joe Cole, and he no. wasn't. We should have retained him. We should have kept Joe Cole. Mm, he had at least a couple more years in him. I think he got injured quite often at Liverpool, but he had a couple more years in him at Chelsea, and one of those players that was there during the Mourinho era, era and still had you know something to offer. And he still lives in Chelsea. He lives around the corner from my house, and yeah. I still see him. And he, I literally saw him by Battersea Bridge the other day, and his kids are all in Chelsea kits. So he's still a huge Chelsea fan, and fan. He, yeah, and he saw how he reacted in Porto and back in May. Yeah. So. Um, Player that I have a lot of respect for as well, but I think we would have covered maybe Tammy. I think that's another one we'll regret in a few years potentially. But yeah, I, I, I think so. I think more Tamori than Tammy, but I think mm. I think there's enough number nines that are kind of coming around. They come around every now and again, and if you pay the fee for them, I just think centre backs are very good. Centre backs are the they're like gold. Mm. You know, if you find one, you you keep it because it's just. Um, but I agree. I think Tammy's doing really well. For Roma, I don't know whether that's because he's playing with Mourinho. If Mourinho was to leave, I don't know whether you know someone else comes in and he ha- has that impact with them. So I, I put a lot of that down to the fact he knows um, Jose. He knows, you know, they've got that relationship there. Because um, mm. I, I think I did, I did see parts of the game when Tammy came on yesterday, actually against Hungary, and um, 
it was like the old Tammy. <laughs> it was, you know, it, it, it was the old Tammy that we know at Chelsea. So I don't know whether it's just Bambi on us. Yeah, I just don't know if it's because Mourinho's there. But um, yeah, that one that one shocked me a little bit, to be mm. fair. I didn't think he was going to go there but because um, I know there was talk of him staying in England, but it's worked out for him. He's doing really well. But I think the Tomori one, I think you've hit the nail mm. on the head with Tomori. I think that's the, the big one for us. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Mo Salah, I think would have fitted in. Kevin De Bruyne, I'm not 100% sure about. I know he's a world-class player before anyone shoots me down who's listening, but I, I think... I don't know. I just don't think. I just. I don't know if he would have fit into the way we yeah. play. I don't know. I, I like to think just every player's career path shapes them to be the player they are now. And maybe yeah. had he stayed at Chelsea, you know, he was. He wasn't. A, he he did hardly played. To be fair, I think he played in the opening game against Hull. I think that season mm. played a Champions League game, maybe against Schalke, Steaua, Bucharest, something like that. And you know, he was decent, but he's nowhere near the player he is now. You know, same with with mm. Salah. And as I mentioned, those those trips to Germany and Italy kind of shape them to be the players they are today. Yeah. And last last mention, I think we should talk about um, Nemanja Matic to United. I think mm, we got yeah, Bakayoko to replace tough. him and it just didn't really, yeah. yeah, I felt like seeing him at United and he just deleted all of his Chelsea pictures on Instagram and all that. I was a bit like, oh, this is hurting. Yeah, this is hurting. Yeah, yeah. That could hurt, actually. I think, again, it goes back to where did they go? You know, if he'd gone to, yeah. um, you know, somewhere in France or Germany, he wouldn't really, but I mean, going to United or Arsenal, I think Arsenal are the ones that really mm. hurt me. Um, yeah, Retirement that, that home, hurt. retirement home, Arsenal, I feel like as well, with Chelsea players. Kudicini. Yeah. Kudicini to Spurs, yeah. One of the rare players. Now you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, that one hurt. He was one of my idols growing up, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't think, did we, did we sell him or did he go on a free? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I think he might have gone on a free or very low yeah. money, but... Um, yeah. But yeah, Lampard scoring past him at Wembley was a nice moment though. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of before we wrap up, because I know we've we sort of overrun a bit, but um Newcastle, Frank Lampard. Can can mm. you see it happening? I can I can in a way. Um I think I just saw that Giroud was in touch with Lampard this week, almost pushing him to go to Newcastle. I think I might have seen that on Twitter and he said it's a perfect club for you, you should go, you should so if he gets the players he wants, I think he'll do a fantastic job, not just with players he brings in, but players he promotes from the, the youth team. So mm. it could be an interesting move for him. Um, I'm not sure how much Christine Bleakley would like to live up north in Newcastle, though. I know she's, <laughs> she's very settled in her London lifestyle. I think, I think she'll stay down south. Yeah, she'll stay down <laughs> south. But um, just seeing Lampard back in the Prem would be nice. Just um, So yeah. um, wherever he goes, I'll be happy for him. I think it's a good move for him. I think, mm. I think depending on what Newcastle want to do, whether they want to bring in a when I say a big name, I mean like an Antonio Conte or someone of that level, um, or they want to bring in a manager to steady the ship and make a bit more of experience, you know, get his name out there, which is what Frank Lampard needs. He needs a club where he can, he can kind of spend money, which he will at, at Newcastle, um, get another big tick on his CV with Derby and Chelsea. And it gives him a bit more experience as well. I think that'd be a good place to go and do that transitional sort of, you know, get rid of the Deadwood at Newcastle and bring in some some big names. I think I've heard Lacazette is on, on the list to go there, which I think is that sort of transitional period. They bring in a few big names that are proven in Eden Hazard. He could go to Newcastle. Mm. You know, he'd work really well there. I think that's yeah. sort of, you know, the, the Frank Lampard link up there, if that happens. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, if he, if he gets there, I think Brendan Rodgers has been tipped as well. 
Ralph Ralph Ragnick, I think the the former Leipzig and Schalke guy. I think he's the top, isn't he? I think he's the favourite. And then I think I saw Graham Potter's on the list too. It's it's going to be interesting. I think January might we might see some some players coming in, but I think next summer's the real kind of big 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 project for Newcastle and. Coutinho, Jovic, those type of players' names have been yeah. linked as well. So yeah. just as a football fan, it's kind of exciting to see this kind of rebuilding of a club. But um, yeah. it's going to be quite they scary if they actually... They deserve it, but it's going to be scary if they actually do become a European heavyweight again. So we've got Roman. Roman's an we've got Roman. He'll, he'll, we've got he'll Roman, get the yeah. blank checkbook and he'll, he'll <laughs> spend whatever he wants as long as we win trophies. So, exactly. um, so yeah, let, let's see what happens there. But um, yeah, again, I'll, sh- I'll mention him again. I mentioned him at the start of the episode. Follow us on Twitter at From the Shed End, on Instagram at From the Shed End underscores between each of the words. And make sure you like, subscribe if you haven't already on YouTube. I think we're close to 500 followers on Twitter. I think we've surpassed 1,000 on Instagram. Yeah. 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 1,500, something like that. We'll do some kind of giveaway or competition at 2,000. I want to do that. Definitely. It'll be fun. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and I think on on YouTube, um, we, we're we're slacking. We, we need some subscribers. So if you're you're listening, you've got a YouTube account. Just give us some 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 love on there and comment as well. If you if you you know you listen to the episode, comment and let us know your thoughts as well. Um, but this has been episode twenty nine with myself, T Dot, and Theo. Thank you for listening. And until next time, hopefully we back get our, our victory as well. Brentford two one, not two two. Two one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go 2 1. Anthony Taylor gives us a penalty and sends one of the Brentford players off. Um, That'd be nice as well. But until next time, episode 30, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for episode 30. Thanks for listening.